0: Ooh, and welcome to another edition of the Three Wise DMs podcast. The podcast for three Dungeon Masters who've been doing this for way too long. Talk about the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by... Tony. Who am I? Who am I? I'm Jean
1: Valjean! It's not actually John Valjean, it's Dave. It's Dave,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's Dave, but I'm just shouting out, rock and roll DM to all my late Miz peeps out there, less miserables, hear it up, Colton Wilkinson. That was unexpected, I'll give you that. Yes. Yeah. that sounded pretty good. I'm bad. expanding my reach beyond just 80s hard rock,
0: mm. so... <laughs> You got the pipes, man. What are you doing here playing role-playing games? You play uh, so board. The I tried playing. to
1: use the pipes for over a decade, and uh, yeah, I had a little success and no money, so I had to do something else.
0: Well, I'm sure our listeners here on 3 DMs are enjoying your dulcet tones of, yeah, of, of DM Dave, along with okay. uh, DM Tony and myself. If you so- guys want the shtick to continue,
1: just really, just let us know on, you know, our, all of our platforms. And, of Send course,
0: it. we'll one day have the Patreon DM Dave Sings the Hits.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, sounds karaoke. A good, sounds like an opportunity we for could a Christmas out. Kickstarter maybe for, like, people They come and they do karaoke with Dave. Oh, my God. The, the possibilities are endless. That's all I'm saying.
0: So thank you all for joining us for another episode. Uh, the, the reach is growing. We appreciate all of you listening from home. If you're listening to one of the podcast platforms, please hit that five star uh, like that, that that five star rating button. Give us the love, and uh, hopefully more people will find out about the po- about this podcast and everything we're doing here. We really appreciate the support you've given us, uh, especially on you know Facebook, Twitter, the website. Uh, everyone who signed up to follow, thank you again. Uh, you're the reason we keep doing this. And today, we're actually taking a listener question. We heard from James Cole at James S. Cole R. He he, he mentioned this is a hot-button issue. And we don't know. We don't know. Should it be a hot-button issue? But the question is, what do you think of players who want to play knockoffs of famous characters? Like Drist. Drist. How do you say that, Tony? Drist. (laughs) Drist.
2: DeWarton. Drist Or I've heard Drist. But then again, you know...
1: No, it's, I, that's ter- it's terrible. That's terrible. I've, <laughs> I've heard it, 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 though. I'm just yeah, telling you. But drizzle. Too many apostrophes. That's the problem.
2: It's like an Italian cheese. You're absolutely right. That's
0: <laughs> not going to work. Or <laughs> also, you know, so you can also have people wanting to play characters from Critical Role or people wanting to recreate campaigns from their favorite books or have you cater their campaign to their favorite book to play out this, this homage kind of character they want to do. So today we're going to talk about what we think of that, have we seen it before, some characters we have seen, what we do about it, whether or not we like it. And so guys, you know, so let's talk about it. Players playing playing homage characters. Now, obviously, a lot of people get into the game with a favorite property, a favorite book or something in mind. And one of the first things they want to do is say, hey, I want to play Drizzt," or I want to play Aragorn or I want to play Harry Potter, which is a little tricky in 5.8. What do you guys do when a player wants to do that? You did that in a very,
1: like, English... Like, proper English way. Diction. Harry you, Potter. You, yeah, <laughs> you really did it. You
0: really, like, it was...
1: Harry Potter! boy <laughs> who lived,
0: he is! So, what do you do when a character... When a player wants to come in and play one of these homage-type characters? Do you, uh, do you like it? Do you embrace it? Do you push back against it? Would you rather see them do something original?
2: Well, I mean, I've been in situations where people have thrown me some extremely flat characters. Mm. So, at least... We got an idea here. I mean, if you're wearing the two of them, I'd rather have someone who's trying to recreate something that's near and dear to their heart versus positively nothing. Like, well, what's your character motivation? Um, I like to kill monsters. All right. That's deep. I, I really feel like I'm in the room with your character. That is fantastic. So you, you have a lot of opportunities there. Who hasn't played a wizard who is based on Gandalf at some point in their career? I mean, honestly, or at least influenced or Merlin or one of these really ridiculously classic wizards.
0: I mean, the question, I mean, how can you even play one that isn't somehow influenced by those guys? I think whenever you you start talking in character, you're going to wind up reaching to those touch points, you know, right? To those kind of touchstones for what this kind of archetype looks like.
1: Thank you. Yes.
2: It's it's very true. I mean, uh there there's certainly there's their influences can be felt in, in many, many forms, uh and they're hard to escape, even you know, if you're trying to escape them. But uh if you're trying if say someone will play a drow dual wielding ranger. Mm. Okay, five e will support that. Knock yourself out. That's that's my take on that. Now you the, can we can get to like the pros and cons of this later, but I mean my off the cuff. I mean, are they gonna—is he this person naming their character Drizzt de Warden? Guess what, I can still work with that because am I supporting his whole mythology? Like, am I now gonna introduce House Ben Ray and all these things? Because if I'm not, go ahead—you're a drow named to Warden. Fantastic! They're like, great to meet you, Drizzt, in the, t- the town. I'm like, uh, hey, you want a beer? <laughs> like, you're not mean—you're gonna be. You don't have the notoriety with comes with that. And I was going to save that for the pros and cons section. Yeah, you're creating a brand new out-of-the-shrink wrap, Tristan Warden. When I did Hawk for Dave's campaign, who's based on Hulk Hogan, I don't know what drugs I took that morning when I came up with that character.
0: But uh, <laughs> You see, well, hold on. That's not based on the actual Hulk Hogan story, so we don't get to go on and see like the Hogan uh, reality show years of him and his wife and daughter, <laughs>
2: <laughs> his divorce. Um... No, he was created based on two of my buddies' characters. One was Hawk the Druid, and one was Morgan the Drow. So yeah. I put them together, made him Hawk Morgan. Also, in Russell War, there was a Hulk Hogan knockoff character named Titan Morgan, who was, was kind of like a homage to that while still giving Hulk Hogan credit. But what I'm getting to with all this is is I made a barbarian and just gave him that personality. Dave didn't, well... We d- we've made some wrestling rules. We can't say he didn't do anything special for me. That's not fair.
0: I will say, I thought he was Hulk Hogan. I really, I Morgan, Hogan, when you're in the moment, they sound the same. They're close. They're very, very close. I will uh, say. You um, know, and I'm doing that voice for 30 minutes. I'm my lozenges. <laughs> Tony plays that game with a cup of tea nearby. A nice lemon tea with honey. <laughs> what do you think, Dave?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I was saying this like before we um, before we got uh, recording for tonight, and I was saying I'm amazed sometimes with uh, questions from people or uh, questions you see online on the boards and stuff of like what things people will get pissed about or have a problem with, like like this this question, and I'm like, is that seriously like a huge problem for people? <laughs> and if it is, like. Tone it down a little bit. It's a kind of a game because I I defy anyone in this incredibly creative um, thing that we do to not be going off everyone else's material since the very beginning of time and mythology. I mean that guy and Orson were doing the same damn thing. They just took all the monsters and all the gods and all the creatures and just said, oh yeah, they're in our monster manual now, right? And different worlds and Tolkien. And uh, and Robert Howard stuff. I mean, we're all playing in someone else's world at some point. And that's oftentimes for me a, a nice springboard into something new. Because most of the characters I create, even now, have some basis. Like I got a little bug of like, ooh, I want to play something kind of I want to play a, an interesting take on that, you know, for instance, you know, whatever it might be. Um, well, it's
0: funny. It's funny you mentioned the 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 DM side of it and the D, and the demi deities and demigod side with uh, when they had the the, uh-huh. the Robert E Howard stuff and the you know Lovecraft stuff all yeah. and all the stuff from uh from from the Melabonian saga when they had all those things that were originally in D&D's and demigods and then were pulled out for you know a variety of copyright reasons and disagreements there's actually an article making the rounds on that right now on on, on um, you know making the internet rounds about that and the thing was it's funny because I know one of the first things I tried to do when I started to, I mean, okay, not the first thing, but like in like my second or third big campaign, I was like, Hey, you know, there's no Cthulhu in D and I'm making them. I'm putting them in here. <laughs> Cause I yeah. found that interesting, but it is, you know, it's a great point though. Cause I think nothing of doing that. I do. I do question a little bit. If a player wants to come in and play this character, I don't mind if he works like that. I don't mind if he builds like if he builds something like that character. If the name is like that character, eh, like Tony said, you can kind of work with it. I don't know if I'm going to work in the backstory of that character or how I'm going to work in the backstory. That's the big thing is do they expect yeah. you to then DM if someone comes in playing, you know, and, and says, OK, I'm playing the monk Goku. Do you now have to DM <laughs> him through the Saiyan saga? You know I, um, <laughs> yeah, no, near, as I put on your turtle shell.
1: <laughs> when I um when I have when I was making my tea before the episode and I was just rereading the question just to make sure, you know, and I was like, oh, and I kind of got that sense too, that is it maybe that people are literally trying to bring in um, you know, Drist, or are they literally trying to bring in, let's say, um, you know, Grog Strongjaw, like one of the critical role characters, yeah. you know. Um, and if they are, that's cool. And I wouldn't have an issue with that, but it is still in my world, right? Yeah. And you're not in Box Machina or the Mighty Nine or the Avengers or whatever. But you know, but have at it if you wanna if you wanna play that. I mean, hell, even in the elf, in the in the player's handbook, the elf category uh has a picture of Drist on it. <laughs> and he's literally just there, he's right there, you know? I mean, so they're just they're, they're he's just hanging out. They're just, they're out, just yeah. scaring
0: you to do it now. It's like, go ahead. Go they're ahead. Literally a there, like, cool. We made it very hard in this edition.
1: Here's this super cool looking <laughs> dark elf ranger. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you don't want to be him. He's he's terrible. <laughs> like, you know, I kind of <laughs> want to be him. Well, a
2: fighter would get more attacks at heart levels. Of well,
1: you know, let's say you want to play Drist in, like, Dark Sun or something, and, like, you know, the desert sands and the sun beating down, you're probably going to have some problems, you know? That sunlight
0: hypersensitivity might get to be a problem for you. You'd
2: be missing the spot of the world at that point.
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> that does bring up kind of where I think it can become a little trickier because I have certainly had times where I said things like, well, what you're describing doesn't really exist in my world for one reason or another. I, I have DM some Dark Sun before, you know, and I've had some worlds where I wanted things to be a little different. I've had some worlds that were very kind of Conan, barbarian focused mm-hmm. with like, you know, walking around like the- these barbarian towns around the mountain in the frozen North. And when you're doing something like that, sometimes I guess you can say, well, you can be that kind of flavor of character, but the world he's coming from doesn't fit the world. I'm pl- I'm building. So I'm fine with you doing it. And I think in any case I would be, I mean, how can you even stop someone from wanting to take inspiration from a pop culture character, but at the same time, the world, um, the world we're planning to play in is not, you know, built around that guy. You know, he's one character he's a low he's coming in as a low level character that's the other thing right we talked a couple weeks ago about backstories and how players sometimes want to come in with backstory advantages to support their character concept that you need to pump the brakes on you know no you can't be the king. no you can't be the famous Drpsdo Erdin you know you can't have had these special things happen to you before a level one you're starting with him at oh, level one yeah. those are some of the things I think that can get a little a, a little tricky sometimes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I would not disagree with that at all.
0: I've run into uh, two complicated
2: scenarios revolving around that. Uh, one is someone wants to introduce a character, and then they're like, okay, great. So you, what do you know about the world he's from, and what do you know about his backstory on stuff? And they want to kind of influence that flavor in there. And the problem I have with that is sometimes I'm not familiar with that at all. And I'm like, am I now going to start researching this and try to, I mean, now we're going way beyond backstory. Now I'm kind of like warping the reality of my campaign, even if I'm following this backstory identically, because God knows no one wants to run a novel. But now I'm inserting this new element out of here, out of left field. Um, It could add something nice to it, but it's a lot of legwork for the DM and. One of the problems also with this is this character, yeah, as Thorne said, yeah, it's going to be Drissa to Warden uh, at his first fencing lesson. I mean, as far as I know, and I am not an expert on this character at all, although I did kill him in Baldur's Gate, um, <laughs> because he was there and you know had a tough character. And like, you know, you got to take the tough challenges here is that he started as an absolute master swordsman. It's not like... He's like, well, I'm pretty good. Let me start, like, you know, training like an Iraqi montage. Like, he hit the ground, and he's like, yeah, I am absolutely amazing. My father was an absolutely amazing weapons master, and I've been training for the last 50-plus yeah. years in my yeah. styles. And nobody... And you're absolutely right, Thorne. The idea if you introduce special things for one player, that's going to create all kinds of butt hurt across the table instantaneously. You're dropping the rock, ripples will happen. Now you're trying to offer it to everybody and trying to balance it out. And now I that part I advise strongly against. If you want to do it in demeanor, in aesthetics, you want your character. You want this drow character. You want a Thor character. You want to have a big burly fighter or a storm cleric with a hammer and you know, you, you want to center yourself around trying to get lightning or thunder powers, knock yourself out. That's fine. You yeah, but you're
1: level them. one. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. You're level one. Like I had um, in the, uh, I reference it often, the Marvel uh, game that I had run, I had made it a uh, kind of a street level type of thing. So it was it was built for characters like Daredevil and Iron Fist and, and Luke Cage and things like that. And uh, two of the characters wanted to play uh, they wanted to create characters. I said, go for it. So my brother created, like, in essence, the Telemundo Iron Man. Um, <laughs> so what was his name? Uh, Dr. Fuego. Yeah. And it was Roberto Caliente. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was great. But, you know, he built a, a generalized Iron Man type of character within the system, right? Mm. Um, another another player wanted to play uh, – This uh, it's called All Might – from uh, My Hero Academia, uh, kind of an uh, anime kind of thing. Um, I believe
2: he was based on Goku and was inspired yeah, by Yeah, and ironically.
1: it was like, so I was like, all right, that sounds kind of cool. So I just looked up what all my was, and I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. And I was like, this is how we can maybe build it, right? To, to So that it's not all of a sudden you're one punch man or something like that. I had another player literally bring a character in that was named Ang and was a monk and was taking all of the way of the elements path Okay, that's cool. You're level five. Yeah. Not a problem, right? And then you build it up from there. Yeah. So I, I again I don't see the I don't see the issue unless they're they're creating a stink about wanting to have to change the entire campaign around them. But
0: well, I think I think both of you guys really talk to what is the core of the potential one of the potential problems, which is this idea that okay, someone's coming in with an idea of what this character's gonna be like from a movie they watch. And I have had this happen before. Mm-hmm. And they come in and they have expectations. They want to be playing that character. They want to be playing. They want to be playing Conan or Goku or you know. It's particularly tricky when they want to be playing Drist, who comes in as a master swordsman, or say um, uh, Riddick. From, uh, from, from the Pitch Black series. Pitch
1: Black stuff, yeah. Who
0: comes in as this vicious assassin killer right from the beginning. I'll let you the, be a bald man with, with a
2: deep voice and shades. We could work with
0: that. sunlight <laughs> sensitivity. Be, but <laughs> you can't be that deadly at first level, is the yeah. correct. That's the hard part. Because really, and I think what you have to do when you have a character come in like that um, and this did happen actually a little bit in the conversations we had around the Woodstock Wanderers, where uh, the Wizard and Paladin both kind of came in with like, "Hey, we're older. My, you know, my character is older. What does he know?" And we talked about how you how how they didn't want to. They weren't trying to recreate specific characters from T from movies or TV or books. Although um, the one is described, he's very he's, he is a bit like false of Lord a bit like Lord Falstaff. The the Paladin was. But we did have to talk about, well, look, you're level one. So even though you had an adventuring career, you forgot it or you didn't get very far in it because you're still level one. And that comes up here. Sometimes when you have a character come in, a player come in who has this really strong character concept tied to a property they love, they can turn around and ask you, well, yeah, but I'm I'm Riddick. I just tear through these dudes. This isn't even a problem for me. 20, 20 guards. Who cares? First level, he comes in, rips them up. Well, at first level, you can't necessarily do that. And I think the way I try to do it is, number one, the when a player's coming with this concept, if he knows the game system, it's really about him putting together the first level character the way it needs to be put together to get as close as he can get. I put creating it mechanically on that player. If it's a player who doesn't know the system very well, we just have some straightforward conversations about levels and stuff like that and making them understand you're not necessarily more powerful than anyone else you are still in the system that i helped guide them through the system uh dave like you did with the with the, uh the iron man character with the um with the other character from my hero uh yeah what was all the other might. one yeah all might <laughs> all might yeah or Homelander, or whatever else they want to play. God yeah, help you want to play right? Homelander.
1: Yeah, it's, it's all the same thing. This is so funny. This literally is like a repeat of some of what we were talking about a couple episodes back with the backstories. You just said it earlier. It's that idea of I'm coming in as the grizzled war veteran and all. And, like, dude, the adventure hasn't even started yet. <laughs> Give it a second.
2: Well, I mean, I actually can see, yeah, I want to support Thorns one point, and I see another actual problem— where this could be a hot button issue. Uh, I think I've said in an earlier podcast, I had a guy in a um, comic book level ge- style campaign. We ran him Wanted to play a Lobo, and he's like, uh, "Why am I? Yeah, well, why am I? At, why do I need to punch, um, you know, a mobster more than once to knock him out? Well, bro, you're level one, and you don't have class 100 strength to start like he does. Sorry, no, you don't have a bike that flies up into space." I, am I giving that to you it, at level one? That's that's a little it's a little much. Um, he didn't want to hear that. He's like, I'm Lobo. I'm like, no, you're not playing Lobo. Who's all, at least like just grabbing a new adventures of Lobo. We have to have a starting point, not like just as him at his prime. But where I can see this being a problem is something we as DMs really cannot control, and that's how it's received by the players. Mm-hmm. So. If I had played Hulk Hogan and the other players were like, oh, my God, you are so incredibly lame, then that puts Steve in a tough spot. He's like, you know, because.
1: Because he's like this his character. Yeah. <laughs> and,
2: and I'm like, you know, I'm sorry, man. You're stuck with this character in your party, brother. You know, and he's like, I can't control this. You know, this is what. Like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, do something, please. I can't stand this guy leg dropping all these guys. Battle
1: after battle. It's horrible. Um, Thankfully, it's gone over amazingly well to the point where, like, the other party members are like, can you please put him in the clutch? Do
0: it. it." I I actually, I, I think Hulk Hogan would be proud of my work. Honestly, yeah, if, so. if we don't defeat Strahd with the camel clutch we've done something wrong <laughs> I, think <laughs> I, I, <one> <laughs> things,
1: I think two of the two things that that falls into as well things we've referenced in the past as well is that's great stuff for mm-hmm. session zero uh to talk about these kind of things and what is the what is the adventure and the campaign going to look like uh and to kind of get this stuff out on the table beforehand and two, to tony's point that he just made like know your table and you're know your players, hopefully. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a brand new set, but, you know, in the end, dude, it's still a game. I keep coming back to this. Like, everybody just chill out a little and try to have a little fun with something, you know? Because then you get some awesome character like Hawk Morgan that's gonna go down. We're gonna talk about Hawk Morgan for the next 20 damn years, you know? About how he power bombed Baba Saga out of her flying <laughs> ship, like, come on. Well, but you know what? You
2: I have run with some players in the past who have gamed together a lot and Thornall tested this, mm-hmm. and they get tight knit and it kind of creates a culture of like what is acceptable and what's not to a point. And like if I was coming in doing something that like, you know, the general audience you know, was felt strongly against, I don't know if they'd feel strongly against that, but they'd be like, you're lame. And, you know, whatever, walk around, keep telling me I'm lame and I'll keep doing it because it amuses me. That's your problem. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, this actually, this and this did come up once, I remember, in that, with that group where I was, we had planned for me to come in as a paladin. In a situation where you'd actually ask me, said, "Hey, why don't you come in as a paladin?" I was like, "Sure, I'll build a paladin. I really like the, I'm getting. I'm building the paladin. I like the paladin." And then we wind up talking, like side talking. All of a sudden, you're like, "Hey, bro, uh, how about you be an anti-paladin? What? <laughs> and it turned out that was, what, was like basically was when he, like he that, when he yeah. when he talked to the rest of the group, they didn't really didn't want a paladin in the group. I have strong feelings about that because, like, oh. on the one hand, like I get where you're coming from. On the other hand, I think if it's not done totally. Like that's what a session zero is for. If you're in session zero and you're like, "Look, guys, that's not really the game we want to play," and, and, and you all get aligned on the kind of thing you want to play, and you come together and you agree on what you want to do, and you do it, that's great. Actually, that can work both ways because if the player wants to come and say, "Hey, I really like to, I'd really like to play Riddick, the badass Riddick," and everyone else is on board, we're playing like some kind of badass assassins. Well, okay, you start them at like ninth level.
1: Yeah. You know, exactly. I mean,
0: you can, you can build a campaign to empower this sort of thing if that's the world you're doing, which is what Session Zero is about. However, if someone comes into the game with a character they've worked on with the DM, like Hulk Hogan, and then the player's like, man, that's lame. Dude, I can't play with this asshole. That guy saying that is the asshole. Like, there you go. There A-M-T-A. like you go. There like, or you a, go. A, 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 A-M-I-T-A. You know, if you're, if you're like... God, I hate this guy's shtick. DM me. You know, I gotta talk to him. And you gotta kick this guy out of the game. You gotta give him play something else. The guy, the player saying that is the asshole, as far as I'm concerned. I'm I feel very. Remember, I'm trying is to think. I felt that way as a player.
2: I'm trying to think.
1: Um. <laughs> well, real quick, while it? Tony thinks this yeah. is a good point because that's exactly what happened in an actual thing. Um, the Acquisitions Incorporated guys, right? where Chris Perkins DMs them, uh, and they play at PAX every year and stuff like that. They released a source book about them, whatever, whatever. High-level adventures, uh, funny bunch of guys, but the the one guy, Patrick, decided that he was going to DM one time. I saw it online. And Chris uh, Perkins was like, okay, I'll play. And they're like, okay, you have a character? He's like, oh, yeah, I brought one. And he pulls it out, and he pulls out Drist, like straight-up Drist, right, playing with all of the You know, his magical swords and all this kind of stuff, right? But We're talking about a party that's, like, level 15 or something, right? Whatever they are at this point. That's totally cool, right? And that's fun and whatever, and, you know, I think he lost his magical item, so he probably had to call up R.A. Salvatore, but... Um, but oh, yeah, I mean, something higher. like that, like Thor, what you were saying, you want to play the badass Riddick, if everyone's cool with that, let's go crazy, right? And let's come yeah. in at level 10, right? Or something
0: like that. But it, but it highlights the need for communication ahead of time. You know, it really, it's got to be handled all together at a table, talking to each other, not talking behind people's backs, which happens in DD games, you know? Yeah, there can be a lot of back-channel communication that can be disruptive. So. So Tony, yeah, do you have the? Have you, do you remember? Have you gone through the data banks? And- <laughs>
2: well, um, no, I don't recall a character that I played with that I positively could not stand. However, this does kind of pose the question as a DM when this happens. Like actually, Thorn, you came in and you were like they were already were like level two or three, and you had you were a late addition when that happened, so there was no session zero, so to speak. But what do you do as a DM in that situation? I mean, because, like, really, what are your options? You know, you could encourage the player to change their character. You could tell the players to stick it. And then, like, that all, you
0: know, the the game's basically over at that point. So it's like, well, you know, I mean, why is DMs? What kind of people are you playing with, though, if they're going to quit the game over someone else's character Uh, choice? Like, that's the problem. It's like, these aren't reasonable, in my opinion. No, I These go back to the same thing, things. Thor. Yeah, I say you know? the same thing as I said earlier. Like,
1: everyone needs to chill out a little bit. I mean, Jesus Christ, like I'm bringing in a paladin and it breaks the whole campaign. What the hell is happening here, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I'm kind of in agreement in that way. Well, but, if uh, you
2: guys haven't but to your point, guys Tony,
1: to your point, though, I would say that, like, you kind of – by by second third level and this is a group that you've been playing with for a while in this this uh scenario right uh-huh. and Thorne was coming in right you kind of get a sense of how this game is running who these people are and what what fits and what doesn't um so that's a great that's those are, that's the stuff to take when you communicate to the player that's maybe going to be coming in um to, hey, here's some here's some thoughts, what do you think, you know? Like you had said, how about being a paladin? Yeah! Hey, wait, about that paladin thing.
2: <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, I take my game pretty seriously. I prep on it for about 10 hours a session now. I mean, like, I am, over a period of two weeks, I put it together, I get my art together for uh, Roll20, my maps, my item balancing, my treasure balancing, my monster balancing, my balancing act. I'm on a unicycle and I'm juggling. So I take it pretty seriously. And you know, there's times where like where there's there's like, you know, things happen in the game and stuff like that in real life and I'm like, "Uh, you're you're kill you're killing the build up." You know, like someone's <laughs> like, "Oh man, hang on, I got to go put a turkey in the like, what are you doing?" Um, but um <laughs> it, have you guys not experienced like Guys who also take it a seriously in a different way, though, like they're like they're really into it or they just see their world in a very structured way and aren't having it in a different way.
0: Who? <laughs> um, well, in some ways I have. I mean, I think that some of that applies to kind of the uh, you know, we talked about the game where we had the Cthulhu and we had a, and we had a Rasmus, became the pile of bugs that had the three kind of the warrior characters who really saw things battle focused and, and then really, the one guy who was kind of leading them really kind of led them in that direction. So I mean, that was a little rigid, but they didn't really give me problems with what I wanted to do. We had the dude who dropped there because he didn't like the idea that his backstory, you know, being a uh, a fiend war- fiend packed warlock meant he made a deal with the devil. So that's something like that, right? He he, I mean, it kind of went in another direction. He really wanted the game to just be like a card game, and that did create a blow up. And you know, that was that was something where you know he wound up dropping out of the game. I think he turned into stone. And it's a different character. Oh, well I turned him into stone we didn't want to come back. You <laughs> stone. You can
1: unpetrify, it's possible. It's just it's I mean, yeah, red. it's like it's, it's, it's
0: like things could happen. It's just you know, the player doesn't drop because that happened. The player drops because they weren't having that much because they were frustrated about something before that, you know? I think he was mad because he blew 3 back-to-back saving throws that led him to that point. And he's like that's <laughs> it. Ah, I'm done. I mean, but I guess it does line up with this kind of character though, right? The kind of, the, this kind of player, the kind of player who wants to create a character that they have a very vivid view of because they're a, probably a huge fan of the platform of, of the property he comes from. I just try to, you know, I just, it comes down a little bit to the way I try to hold the game where I'm not doing a ton of side chat. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm usually wanting to handle things in game unless they're very character specific. I try not to send the vibe that you can come lobby me to get the game changed the way you want. I try to be really clear that, you know, if you have a problem with a player or their character, your character should talk about, usually if it's a character problem, you should talk about a character to character in the game or player to player. Uh, Or I might kind of get everyone together and say like, hey, you know, man, this isn't maybe as much fun. And, you know, so can we tone this down or do this differently? Kind of handle it that way. I don't like the kind of the backdoor way things are something like if you're, if you're talking a lot with individual players outside of the game, especially if it's the kind of conversation that isn't just like about what your character is doing, but about like, you know, kind of lobbying for how they want the game to be. It creates that kind of tent, that kind of, I don't know. I kind of find it corrosive. You know, I don't think it's good for the game to kind of have too much of that going on. Cause I think you get those sorts of things where some players start feeling like, well, yeah, you know, I, I don't like how that turned out. So I'm not going to handle it in the game. I'm going to talk to the DM on the side and get him to do, to do what I wanted to what I want him to do. And I think that, You know, to me, that's not the game. I think that can be problematic when that kind of thing starts to happen. Other than that, like, I just try to make sure I just try to send the to send the message that I'm not really down with that, like that I'm not going to interact with that way. We can talk outside the game. We can talk about the game. But as soon as I start pushing on something, I try to push it back into the game. That's what I try to do with that. Just as a DM, I'm trying to, you know, set that boundary that this isn't something I'm not going to take your feedback outside of the game and change the game because this isn't really where this should be happening. It's not fair. You have my ears on the side and you're, you're trying to change things. Other players don't have access. You know, may not have that kind of access or they don't know that's going on. I don't think that's a fair way to play. So I try to set that boundary and force that all into the game where everyone has equal input on it.
2: Well, right. But the, of a player has a character that the other players see as a problem and they do not like, Sue, so, I'm trying to tie this into the, the topic. Yeah. Say you are know, a theme character. I don't know. Say somebody said that they're themed after Captain Kirk, and they're talking like this. And you're like level five now, and you're like, shut
1: up. I don't know. That would be awesome. I'd but think totally, no I, would say, I haven't seen. This is a good point. Like, I would think, let's say um, the Storm Kings game, the you know, current game that we're all playing right now, mm-hmm. uh, with a group Which is a group that has not played together before in this formation, right? So, different people have played with different ones. But this group itself is brand new. Okay. Coming in, within the first several games, if you were going to bring someone new in, the last thing that you would want them to probably be playing, because it would probably create some tension, would be the straight-up Thief Rogue, who's pickpocketing, stealing... (laughs) Doing all of these unlawful acts, right? Because we got two goody-two-shoes in the in the group between the barbarian and the warforged, right? <laughs> Don't do that. We're we're good. We're the good guys, right? It's so
0: if funny. we had
1: a straight-up thief like Hawthorne, oh, if we had Kevin's character from Slavers Bay, yeah, this, swiper, right?
0: Swiper. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think it would be awesome. But it would definitely create some tension, right? It would definitely create tension, and you would know that going in. You know that that type of character would probably not play too well with at least two of the players.
2: <laughs> Which is funny because my wizard, the, the NPC in that game, is lawful good, and he looks at the two of them as like, "Guys, bring it back in the <laughs> house." Like, you know, guys! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Scout's <laughs> honor. I mean, you know, you can open the sarcophagus. It's fine, you know. We're in catacombs. This is actually how it works. Like, well, like to Tony,
0: Tony's planning stuff in catacombs, and, and the party's like, "Well, we're not grave robbers. That would be dishonorable." Guys, the clue. I'll tell you this. Yeah. Uh, coming back, coming like really getting hard
1: into into tabletop gaming uh, when I was an adult again, right? I think changes a lot of that dynamic because i'm already approaching the game in my current mindset as an adult you know as you know gotten over a lot of my stuff from when i was younger um and i think a lot of this kind of stuff gets carried over if you got especially long-term groups who played through their teens and their 20s with all of that crap it's like around your circle of, of your oldest friends like you're just, that's just how it is, right? That's just kind of the dynamic that happens where a new group coming at it now comes at it differently, you know? And I think that goes back to what I've said before about like kind of curating groups too, you know? Mm. Finding like the really, the great players that you really want to get in in your games, you know? And try to get them into, hopefully soften some of the, you know, because if everyone's having fun and everyone's in to have a good time, hopefully that can decrease some of the, it's not going the way I want it kind of mentality, maybe, hopefully. That's how I've seen it in our, in our games that we've been having.
2: So what do you do when you have a situation, you have a character or a player who creates a character with one of these themes, like say if I used Hawk, and I've doubled down, I've tripled down on this character, and I get to a certain point, now, now it is like, well, what if I start going in a different direction? Like Drist is like, you know... What if I started became an illusionist? What are your thoughts on
0: that? That's awesome. Well, yeah, for me, like, well, it comes down to it. I guess it depends on how much you have adjusted to try to fit them in, right? If you have started the session, a session zero, and you said, okay, we are going to not just, not only are you going to play Drizzt, the other character, the other players are going to play other, you know, other characters from his stories, or we're going to tell his story then I think you could be, you might, you might, you might take issue with it because you could agree mm. to stay on this path. And now you got, and now like the player the player who made you do it's breaking the path outside of that corner case where we have decided, okay, no, we're going to do that themed campaign. Other than that, I'm fine with it. In fact, I might even be a little happy with it because now that means they're embracing this character beyond that book character. So I, I'd be happy with that. Now it does depend though. Cause I mean, Tony, you're a more story-focused DM, and we've talked about how you have players who are like, you know, that guy's my main character. That that person is going to, I'm theming, I'm, I'm like kind of building this around them. I, I'm casting them in the roles I want them to play. So I'd imagine for your style, that's probably a little more problematic. I mean, how do you feel about
2: it? Um, It could be. Hypothetically, like, so if I try to turn Hawk Morgan into Kratos in, you know, <laughs> Eve's game, like, like all of a sudden Hawk goes in the bathroom, he shaves off his, his, his uh, mustache and he comes he's his face painted and he's got like ashen skin and he's, uh, you know, he, he's taking on this new mantle because, you know.
0: He could always become, he, like, he could always become a firearms expert and just come out of Suburban Commando, Hulk Hogan.
2: Oh my
1: God. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Well, o- only only if your character
2: a, play, a plays uh Apollo Creed's role in uh <laughs>
1: in that. Maybe I would. Maybe that'd be worthwhile. No, it's going to a man of a thousand faces. I I, I actually it's be the forget, finale forget it's twist where Hawk Hawk Morgan turns into Hollywood Hawk Morgan and turns oh, heel on everybody. I had thought about that's,
0: that. that. That's what that's what Hawk Hogan becomes Drudge Vampire. Right, yeah, he takes the over. The hair goes bleach. The skin goes
2: yeah. pale. I, I, and I the NWO
1: comes in. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no. If you
2: ever helm of opposite alignment to me, that's exactly what I was going for. I had already thought that out. But I mean, if we were decided to join, enjoying-
0: a apart. We could just we could just turn this campaign we could we could go the whole NWO on Barovia so and just I all had, join up with so Strad right.
1: As a as a real quick aside because it it actually happened I had asked on one of the forums I was looking for some some ideas like I wanted to see like what do you guys think about X Y Z regarding Hawk and some ideas that I have and I can't tell you how it got a lot of response right. Uh, mainly because I put up a picture of Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, and I think everybody's inner six year old just like you know, <laughs> when it's I can't tell you the amount of people that asked which one he was if he was Hulkamania or if he was the Hulkster or Hollywood and <laughs> are you gonna have him turn and that would be an awesome thing, he turns heel and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, it really uh, it's a it really hits people in the feels, this <laughs> character. Right.
0: So fundamentally, bringing characters from fiction and from other properties, well, we support it because clearly I, we've already embraced it here. I Look, I said it in the beginning, though, in all seriousness, like I, I have I was
1: starting to write on a list. I even brought my character binder, too, and I could draw a line to what kind of made like that was my initial. Oh, that's cool. That's where I want to go with it. And then it went somewhere else, like, I mean, even Roderick, right? Roderick Drogle, the the half-elf bard in the Storm King's game is literally Roderick Usher. I mean, I kind of, that was the whole impetus of it. And I really dug that and I played with it, but it still is morphing into his character, you know? Uh, You know, I mean, I even have a twin sister. I mean, she's not in a coma, but you know, uh, yeah. So like, I can draw a line uh, some some a little more diffuse some exceedingly um stark like we're playing a uh, my younger brother decided he wanted to try to try his hand behind the screen with uh, Chris and I so we decided somehow that we were just gonna do the Kurt Russell campaign so Chris is playing a <laughs> uh, fight like a battlemaster fighter that is literally snake pliskin um and That's I'm hilarious. playing a rogue named Jack Burton from the Pork Chop Express. So Oh my yeah, god. Your lowpan going to show up. You're welcome. You're welcome. I, so I I think I did mention
2: that I ran a campaign and the party Necromancer was literally based on Lowpan from
1: <laughs> Yeah, Lowpan. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Oh, okay. he was deadly, man. He was, he was bad news that guy.
1: But yeah, I have because everything, everything that we do, even our campaigns, the adventures, they're all, they come from something else. Something else inspired it. And it could turn into something completely different. But it came from somewhere. Nothing is new, brand new. I mean, Bruce Springsteen is a genius, still playing the same three fucking chords everyone else is, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not about that, you know, so take that inspiration. I love that personally.
0: Um, I mean, I guess so, like, where does this potentially become a problem? Like Tony said, if your players don't buy the shtick, you know, if they're annoyed by it, you got to figure out how to handle that. You could also find a situation where you say that guy doesn't really fit my world. So you can play someone inspired by him. I don't care what you do with the name, but just know like, the world's not going to, like, you know, you're not going to have that same backstory. You're not going to have – you're not going to engage with people the same way this property does, which is what can be tricky because you have different different worlds of different sets of kind of more. So if you have a Absolutely. character
1: – And systems, too. I mean, if you want to come into the Woodstock
0: Wanderers and say, I want to play
1: Superman, okay, well, that's not going to happen. You should maybe go play Marvel or DC Megs or something like that, yeah, right? That, yeah. uh, that's a good point.
2: There are points – where you have to cut it and say, that character is not, like, we can't, th- this is an adventuring game with these parameters. And as you said in a previous uh, podcast, Dave, you are going to create a superhero, essentially. There's just different ways that we're going to do this. But the Superman way, or like I was saying, hey, Dave, you want my next character idea for your game is going to be? You're like, what? The Silver Surfer. How are we going <laughs> to do this? Like, no, bro, no, you can't fly around on a board between planets and manipulate <laughs> cosmic energy. I mean, I could not give you, like, one.
1: yeah, I could give you, maybe you could go monk and, like, you could move easier through difficult terrain, maybe. Uh, I don't know, like, I, maybe you could be some sort of artificer and you create some sort of, like,
0: skateboard. I... I, I <laughs> what level is flying carpet at? Because you would have a flying flying broom is relatively low level, right? So you can give him a flying s a flying surfboard based on a flying broom and let him wear a lot of silver. Yeah, but That's you have that what you
1: can do. Yeah, you have that probably in any system. I mean you could do the same thing like, you know, if we were playing a, a game of Marvel or something, which is outlandish with powers, right? But somebody comes in and be like, I want to be Thanos with all the infinity stones. Like, bro, like <laughs> Like, what are you
2: doing to me? Actually, on that point, even if we're playing a Marvel game, like, say we're going to run the Marvel game you just we described. We are.
1: We will I would, do this. We're gonna I, would lo- I would love that. We're doing it live. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it was just a, That was my powers of suggestion.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, say you ran this mod that you have together for these street-level heroes, and instead of create, trying to us create a new character, I'm like, I want to play the Silver Surfer. Well... The Silver Surfer also doesn't fit what you're trying to do, and I know like we really try to stay away from saying that or like embracing that because we want to let people try their ideas. We want to work with them. The Silver Surfer would murder anybody who you've probably put in that module. As Anyone as on as. Earth,
1: the Silver Surfer will take care of. Yes,
2: because he's preposterous. If <laughs> you remember that character, a... yeah. like you know who could fight him toe to toe and maybe win. Thor, and he's gotten the better of Thor on multiple occasions. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, Thor at his peak, not like you know some guy who picked up his hammer and he's, um, you know, got a portion of his powers. So it couldn't be done. At least, at least not with unless other players are having different characters that are comparable. In which case, guess what? Your guys could do that. You're all. Flying around in space, Marvel did do adventures like that, where you could play Beta Ray Bill and Silver Surfer, and actually they did three modules together for something like that.
0: All right, but like Fire Lord. But hear me out. He's a great old one warlock. He oh, gets stop. some kind of magic items, ah! a gift, a gift from his, uh, from his great old one, that is a silver board of alien technology that can fly. Okay. And as part of the gift, he turns all silver.
1: All right. And has some sort of boost in his AC or something. So he gets
0: mage armor and a lot. You can get the boost to the AC through his elders invocations vacations. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I honestly, I, uh, I think you could do it that way, but I also think that is the limit to which you could take it. Right. So it's a ma- It becomes a matter of does that player come back to you and say, but Hey, I should be melding through buildings and stuff like the guy did in fantastic four. Well, you know, you're going to get the mention door later. You're going to need to be patient. And if they don't, if they aren't okay with that, this isn't then this just isn't going to work. You know that's really kind of where it's got to be. Now, part of the question, part of the reason James asked us, if we go down to kind of like how, kind of how he expanded on this, was do you push the player to create their own character and tell their story, at the very least make the player change the character in an interesting way, or just tell them to roll in with the character, same name and everything. But there is the, I think there is the implication here. That someone playing a character from pop culture is not going to be an interesting character and could be boring and just derivative. And do you push them to do something more creative? I could see campaigns where this could be a problem. If your campaign really relies on your characters being realistic human beings or races, whatever your races are in this world, and you want them interacting and kind of interacting with kids and parents and officials and talking in a way that is human. It does get to be hard to have a campaign like that with the Silver Surfer hacking around because he's always the weird one outside, you know. So if it's going to be a highly social campaign, this campaign that is a little, a little bit more dating sim, a little bit more courtroom sim, well then maybe it's tougher to do those sorts of things there, you know. Unless they want to come in with the uh, their 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 literary inspiration is Atticus Finch. Uh, yeah, he, yes. he, he's, he's a bard. He's, a, he bard. he's bard? a bard. He's, Easy. He, so, I mean, you could still come in and do things like that, but I can see how that could be a problem. Yeah, I see these as kind of session zero problems, though, right? You've got to agree on what kind of world you guys want to play in. And if a lot of your players want to play more comic book-y, pulp, pulp action hero kind of characters you're probably not going to do a highly dramatic, you know, law and order or, you know, pride and prejudice type of setting. It's probably going to be something that, you know, your players are playing pulp. You don't want your players playing pulp when you're there trying to do Victorian romance. You know, it doesn't really, those things don't meld together ideally. Unless, of
1: course, you decide to be like the genius Neil Gaiman and just play him through Marvel 1602. So if you haven't read that graphic (laughs) novel, I highly recommend it.
0: Uh, I yeah. got. I gotta get it again. I've read pieces of it. Oh, it's, never, it's oh, really never, it's so changed. good
1: because he takes all the all the superheroes yeah. and puts them into into medieval times. But um,
0: well, I, that's a very, It's actually it's even a more interesting time in history. That's English Civil War time. That's actually po- that's like right right be- at the beginning of the uh, of the of like the of like the Enlightenment. I think. Is right. it sixteen oh two? Sixteen oh two. Yeah. 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 It's that's actually that's yeah that's uh, kind of a cool time to put things.
1: I will say, well, so with the question, though, as you said it, um, part of that question, um, and I think this is probably where it was going a little more just because of the popularity of uh, Critical Role, um, because he, he uh, James it's, uh specifically mentioned that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people wanting to play characters from that, you know, um, that I can understand. I don't think I would necessarily, for anyone, anyone coming in with whatever character it is, even if it's specific. Literally that character. And and they agree to be level one, and they agree to depower and whatever. And they're going to start playing them the way they play them. They're going to play Gandalf just like Gandalf. At some point, the nature of the game is going to alter that. Because they will be put in encounters that those characters were never put in, in certain ways. And they're going to have to make, as much as they want to think about, oh, they want to wax poetic about it, they have four hill giants storming down on them they're probably going to drop Fireball, right? Um, So the the game itself, I think, will just start to, and the interaction with the table will begin to change them. I
2: think that's a very fair point. I mean, honestly, when I conceptualized Erasmus, was a character in Thorne's game at one point, and my starting point, ironically, wasn't exactly Gandalf, but if, I was trying to create a wizard that was, would have been part of his crew like that style, not necessarily that race of being that Gandalf was because they don't exist in Thorne's world. At least I don't think they do. And I didn't expect them to create the king of Gondor either while we're at it. Um, <laughs> he dramatically changed from that path over uh, the course of the game, especially now that he's a storm he a giant. More, so. He
0: became a little less Gandalf, a little more Rincewind. went.
1: Mm. From, no, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, think about, like, my character Beam, right? The dragonborn cleric, right? I started him, as I said this, uh, one of the past, just most recent episodes, that he's literally the story of the Buddha, right? Is That was his kind of thing. But part of him as well, and the conception I had of him and the way in which he would interact, was a character from Critical Role 2. For any Critical Role fans, it was Caduceus Clay, the bold cleric. Um, I just dug the way, like the, the the vibe that he had, and I was like, I want to play with that a little bit. And you could not find that in Beam now, probably either of those fucking things right now, right? Because the character took on a life of his own as he began adventuring with other people in this world and was put in in certain situations that. That little—I mean, not to be too over dramatic in narrative—but that changed him, and that was the character development. The same way Drist starts as a drow elf in Baranzen and ends up topside because he just says, "I can't do—I can't do it like that. That's not who I am." Right?
0: To be fair, the actual character, your character in D D, is probably going to see far more combat than the character in any book, novel, or TV show. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's really no more combat-focused medium in pop culture than the role-playing game.
1: (laughs) Right, and And that's what I'm saying, right? So as narratively, and you want to espouse on the background of the character, backstories, and all this kind of stuff, yeah, and then like when the rubber hits the road in the adventure, well, now we're playing D&D, and then, you know, whatever. (laughs) And the character will, will change themselves, I think.
2: No, that's very true. So if you're a DM and you're afraid... Of this character being predictable or boring um, for entirely too long, or there's, a, you know, like you're going to be losing some elements of creativity. You're going to lose the interaction between the player and the DM because of that. That may not be the case because, yeah, character development. And I'm a huge fan of character development as a DM. I want to like you started out somewhere you positively will not be that same character when you're level
1: nine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you why the biggest reason if you're a spellcaster is because there's too many goddamn great spells. And it starts to screw you because you're supposed to take spells that are like, oh, well, this is what the character would take. But this spell is super fucking cool. And I want that one. So now what? Well, now I got to change my fucking character. Because what the hell, dude? (laughs) As I'm starting, we're starting to open up like fifth and sixth level spells. I'm like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Like all of these are cool. (laughs) And I have one slot, dude. Come on.
0: That, that, that definitely does come up. You're like, yeah, I got, I want to keep his character spell, but this is so cool. I will say, playing a warlock in a, in the one game, that is the one thing you experience, is that the thing that was the super cool magic bullet at this at your last level is often the thing you're trading out at the next level, because you're like, well, I did that. And the DM's going to stop letting it work that way, so let's bring in the new thing. <laughs> yeah. What else can I bring in that, 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 that we're not really working with yet? He you know, saw that like, magic trick. Yeah. <laughs> we've had our fun with the hunger of Hadar. What can we do now? Oh, hey, let's bring in the let's bring in the polymorph. Let's bring in the uh the 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 the, 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 the blight or something like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly.
1: You get that some oh. fun with it. Yeah. Changes the character character's. So give him lots of
0: choices
1: mm. through spells and abilities and magic items and the character will change. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> and is, I mean we've talked about it D&D Uh, in my opinion, really excels when you're playing it as a tool chest, as a toy chest, really. I keep saying tool chest, really toy chest. Because, you know, it's your, what really makes, what really, the way your character interacts with the mechanics of the game is picking and using its powers. Yeah. The way the DM interacts with the mechanics of the game is picking and using the monsters on different maps, you know? Now that really, really reduces it down to something that doesn't sound very fun, Because the rest of the game is really what makes that stuff fun. The setup, what's going on, the relationships in the game, the storyline are what make these things fun to do. But the system shines when you get right down into into the encounters and into things you can use your powers and abilities on. So I think that, in its own right, is going to change that character from who they were in the pop culture uh, property. Now, how much homebrew do you do to make a character work? We've talked about Hulk Hogan, and the answer there was a lot. I mean, you you homebrewed this whole fighting style. Uh, a, I a, yeah, I, I don't I can I,
1: it's not home oh, it's homebrew, but it's not because like I used everything that was available within the the PHP itself, right? Yeah. Um. So I didn't like create things out of thin, out of sheer cloth, but yeah, I definitely put them together in a in a little bit of a different way.
0: That's something that's homebrew because you're 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 really changing the balance and the, the abilities they have access to. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I get what you're saying though. Like, you didn't reinvent these powers out of nowhere. Yeah, um, like it's based in something, and mainly
1: like I have said before to allow so that it doesn't completely warp the system, right?
0: So I I did a thing with uh, so we talked about it before. My buddy in my one campaign wanted to come in as a werewolf in Second Edition when mm-hmm. before there were any playable werewolf characters. So I homebrewed that. I mean, that wasn't based on a specific on a specific. Uh, you know, pop culture character other than the you know, what is a werewolf, you know, big, furry, toothy, feral. Um, but I homebrewed that whole system for him to play with to be that werewolf. Uh, so so I have homebrewed pretty hardcore to to enable a character concept before I tend to be reluctant to do it when I am first starting with a system. So that's why I didn't really let anyone homebrew for 5e. <laughs> I, took, I took that off the table because I'm like, well, look, these, these are our first games in 5e. We're going to learn the system first before we start monkeying with things. But then, of course, at, you know, what was it, eighth level, Tony's uh, Tony's character goes and gets himself a uh, a wish and turns himself into a into a giant. So there we go. We're back <laughs> in the land of homebrew. And that was actually level five, but that's OK. Oh, ah, yeah. yeah. Level five, 15. What's the diff? Yeah, man, this is so relative. Yeah, he's like level nine now. Will you oh if someone comes to you and says, I wanna make a character like this guy, like a Riddick or like a Goku or like a you know, whatever, do you that do you do you tell them they have to do it within the mechanics of the game or do you sit down with them and start trying to make stuff that fits the concept of the character?
2: Well what Dave really did I thought was great about the the wrestling system he created. Yes, Hawk's gonna implement that, but instead of saying this is your new powers, like you're imbued with this new wrestling powers instead it's this is how wrestling works in this in this game yeah
1: yeah 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 absolutely yeah i that's great tone and i never. that's kind of what i was trying to get at too i think um is yeah like anybody could try to do these things you know maybe not some of the super finisher moves right but um but yeah in a way to make it something that's available like like we talked about maybe creating something out of it into like a feat or something um, or even a whole subclass of barbarian or something at some point. But right now, anybody could try to get in the clinch.
2: No, I mean, I have to tell you, and we discussed this in a previous podcasts, the grappling rules on 5e on the face of them are kind of soft. And, you know, I appreciate that. Something in the earlier editions, it's like what happens when a couple guys dogpile on you? Oh, well, you're, you're uh you're held. You can't do anything. They beat you up. So what happens? Two or three guys jump on you. The fourth guy kicks you to the head. Like every single fight, like you can't have that break, that that mechanical breakdown. The
0: like overbearing that. rules that I, that I used to use. Well, that, that was, those were the second edition overbearing rules. And I did. The thing with that, the thing that made those interesting, though, was that it meant that even like a 20th level fighter faced with a hundred kobolds, couldn't just act like a hundred kobolds weren't there. Kobolds weren't there. You had to respect you had to at least respect the numbers eventually.
1: The hordes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because eventually they would just pull you down and just stab you. Three they just, you know, stab you while you're held down over the overbearing rules. Five E doesn't have those, which means yeah, you you never need to respect the horde. Well, there was a funny
2: sequence in Night of the Dinner Table where one of the characters basically he looked at the DMG or the PHP and he's like, oh, uh, what can I – I can hire a services for this guy, a tailor or this, that. He's like, what can I get the services of a beggar for? And he's like, oh, like a copper. He's like, great. Are there poor people in this city? Is a huge city. He's like, yeah. This guy, like, hired, like, 500 hobos, and they, like, started overbearing everybody. <laughs> Town guards, ogres,
1: you know. Like, oh, he used them as right right? his own like walker horde.
0: Yes. I'm guys, I'll stab him in the head once you get him held. All right,
1: real quick. I really thought where I thought that story was going was that he got them all to the beg and amassed a huge fortune from the town for like you know 500 copper, and he like ends up with like you know turns into 500 gold or something in a day.
0: So have you ever – I mean, any, any? what else have you kind of done to enable someone to play a character like this? We don't advise it for all the reasons
2: that we discussed. I mean, are we talking about someone perhaps – I mean, if you want to – if you feel really strongly about this, for example, in 5e, you can give a bonus feat. But, again, it's going across cross the table. Like, you know, you don't want to be like, well, wh- why? why does Steve have this? And I don't. Well, you know, I like Steve better than you. Well, your campaign shot in the ass <laughs> before you can start. Nice job.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I mean, if you're talking about, like, you're coming in at level one or whatever, like, you could just build the character and then see where it goes because you can always add stuff down the road. Yeah. You can always add magic items or some cool ability that you gain. Or, But then, you know, everyone else is able to, like Tony was just saying, too, everyone else is able to do it. Like, you don't need to necessarily start out. Because, again, if if you're starting out at level 10, fine. Then you can be badass Riddick. If you're starting at level 1, then you're just Rick, right? Mm-hmm. Just Rick with the weirdo eyes. What the hell's wrong with this dude? And he has this <laughs> weird voice. Or maybe he has a really nice voice. And part of his storyline to level 10 is going to be how he got So, Sam, here I am, Rick, right? I don't know. <laughs> what happened? You know, that's what I want to know. How did Anakin turn into Darth Vader, you know? That's the story we're telling. You don't start as Darth Vader. You start as a slave boy on Tatooine, right? Odd racing. Yeah. You're level zero, you know?
0: Yeah. Not really. So, I mean, so basically what we're coming down to is none of us has a problem with a player character wanting to come in as so-and-so from their favorite pop culture property. Maybe, we, maybe it doesn't entirely fit the campaign, and that's kind of on them. You know, you, you let them know that. But really what it comes down to is the character gets to the player gets to build the character he or she wants to build. And he or she and, and then he's gonna go in and tell you how this character builds and do his or her best to build that character using the 5e mechanic or whatever the system mechanics are. You're not going in and saying, okay, so you wanna be Dritz, so here's your two magic scimitars, here's your magic figurine of wondrous, you know, of wondrous power for the black Whenever Here's one <laughs> of your,
1: here's the yeah. cloak, yeah. here's
0: that. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're saying, okay, you're, well, you know, there's where the drow are in the book, and there's where your classes are and your powers, and go have at it, you know? You want to be Goku? Well, uh, I don't know, maybe check out the monk section. Have fun. Let me know how Absolutely. it works out. Because I'll tell you what that
1: will give is a hell of a lot of player investment and engagement. Mm-hmm. Because then they're going to go through that book and hopefully figure out how do I build this person and be really involved in building that character for several levels until it completely changes, like we said. Um, But yeah, that's just going to allow them to say, why would you take someone who wants to be super engaged and be like, no, I don't want you to be engaged that way. I need you to be engaged this way. Like that's 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 a long
2: Yeah. No, take that player, encourage them. Like here's the source materials, go to town, show me the best version of this character you can make using the existing
1: rules. Yeah, MacGyver this thing, you know? And hey, you want to use maybe some Bolo stuff, you want to use some... uh, I'm, You know, I'm open to some of that too, you know? I have no problem with that. I know in most of the games, a lot of people are pulling uh, a lot of spells and stuff from Xanathars and things like that. Uh, Generally, I've been playing, like Thorne, you were saying, I'm playing mostly phb stuff because i really want to just see the builds as they as they kind of exist right now you know but yeah i mean if somebody wants to be super engaged then yeah let them be engaged because even if they have weird dialogue and stuff and they're just trying to sound like that at least they're dialoguing who cares i don't right. care if you're trying to sound like caleb Widowgast the the broken wizard from the mighty nine that's cool all right What spell do you want to do this time now? Awesome. Do it. Do it, do it, man.
0: I mean, that's what you really want more than anything else are players who are into it. Not players who are kind of just mailing it in or just kind of there for you to kind of lead them along the way and kind of, you know, we've talked about this. Like, you know, do you want to be, do you want players who kind of are expecting you to come in and entertain them to, and, and for you to entertain them? Or do you want players who are coming in there invested and looking to do something with their character because that is entertaining them? And you want that second. You want the players who are really into what they're doing, who are happy to be there, who are grateful to you for giving you, for giving them the chance to play, to, to be this character in this world That's the kind of dynamic you're looking for. And yeah, cutting off the access to to whatever inspires them doesn't get you there. So it's probably in your – I think it's almost always in your best interest to let them do it. But I am also – I think we're all in agreement. The best way to let them do it is say, well, there are your character options. Go tell me how you're building that character. You know, go tell me how you're building Goku out of the player sample. You know, have fun. You know, here's some other books you can use too. But that's – you know, you're going to build him up. I'm not – I'm not – it's not you come to me with who your character who you want your character to be and then this and then it's not the DM's job to make that character or bend the world to make that character work. The yeah. player needs to use the tools they have to build a character in that theme.
1: And it goes to your point all of it that you say over and over and over Thorin, uh your characters are yours, the world is mine. And this completely fits within this. Is that yeah, do that character, man, but you're not going to be you know, Avatar Wan, the first Avatar to ever start it. You're going to be Wan, the dude from the city. And let's see where you go, right? Because he might turn out to be a cleric in the end. Who the hell knows, right?
0: So are there any characters you always wanted to play in a game that you haven't or might in the future?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. I have lists of them. I have actually several players. There's actually one player I want to bring back because I didn't really get to play him for long. I only played My him through a couple levels and then the game fell apart. But he was this uh halfling magician Mesmero the Magnificent who uh traveled with this carnival. Um to, <laughs> he was in essence, he was on the run from his uh his teacher from the magic school uh had like something had happened, and so he was on the run trying to like kind of hide out and he hid out as Mesmero, you know, and he had dyed his hair and stuff, but, uh, actually two characters, because, um, as I said to you guys, Chris was thinking of, uh, possibly wanting to try to run Tomb of Annihilation for a group at some point. And I was like, Oh man, I want to play like Alan Quartermain, like straight up like an archeologist, like gunslinger kind of thing. Uh, Or like, you know, very romancing the stone. Right. And I also want to play, um, Shaman from uh, Alpha Flight, so I kind of want to make a druid, and I'm thinking that's of, like, a that's an obscure one. All right, I'm listening. Yeah, I want to like kind of. I even have like I have some names I'm kind of playing around with, but yeah, like that would be my druid too, probably. but you, Tony? Uh, characters that
2: uh, from pop culture I want to bring in are characters that were long forgotten. Um, I always did want like, I looked at those Marvel games and like wanted to do the really epic high-level, like, that one series. I think it was, like, Ragnarok and Roll they did. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. like, the high-level, like, Thor series. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're all going to play Thor-level power characters for these, for a, basically, for three entire modules. Like, that seemed beyond the, okay, so we're dealing with guys robbing a liquor store. No way, no. You're off in space. The universe is in jeopardy. The
1: Twilight God. of the Gods is upon
2: us. Yeah. <laughs> Something to that effect. Uh so I never did get to play the Silver Surfer. But, you know, maybe uh one day. A character I want to resurrect. I one character I was super stoked to play was a knight in uh Crin. We had played that uh campaign Ooh. world briefly, and he was a knight of the sword and was on his path becoming a knight of the rose. Um and the campaign kind of dissolved when he was still relatively low-level.
1: Mm. So I never he was played like, in uh, Kryn. I would have loved to, because I love the book series, but I never did play in Crin at all.
2: One, he had some really nice... Uh, I'm sure you're aware, very nice source material surrounding that, rather extensive, as a matter of
1: fact. Oh, those mods were beautiful-looking. They <laughs> were just gorgeous. Just the cover. Yeah, they the really glow. were.
2: And also... Honestly, I would take a shot at anything in Dark Sun. That would be... Like, I haven't played in that universe in, no pun intended, a hot minute.
0: I might... I had the Dark Sun box set, and I wonder if I still have it, uh, from second edition. I did have... I, I, I did. I, I'm think I'm the only one who actually did any significant DMing in Dark Sun. Even that didn't last long. So for me, you know, I always, I always toy around with ways to recreate a couple characters, and it's part of the exercise for me is trying to look at... With the stuff I have here, can I do it? Yeah. Indiana Jones does come up, which is always oh. me going, okay, what kind of whip stuff can I do in this game? Eh, not so much. All right, moving on. Um, you yeah, were talking
1: about that for the Slavers Bay game. You were considering being the lore bard for it. I was Indy. an Indiana yeah.
0: Jones style lore bard. I thought that could be really cool. Like, yeah. uh, I, I think there's, I think there could be a neat something really neat to do there. I also always, you know, it's not a specific character. They could say Kukulin, um, but I've always wanted to play like a Celtic warrior oh yeah with with a big shield and spear and spear feats and kind of they also use long swords like you'd want to put together a character that is very lightly armored with a shield with spears and a long sword who uses the spears a lot though and like uses the spears for like does a lot with them as far as like medium range and kind of hit and run kind of things in some ways the zhang character does some of those things the zhang Marshal, uh, the, the Zhang Battle Lord Bugbear does some of those kinds of things. He's a little bit built in that direction, but over time, he's become he's got like he's got heavy armor, you know, he, he's become a little different since then. These guys like to do like a Celtic style warrior would be to do a warrior who was very, really dexterity focused with some cool stuff you can do with your spear and your sword. Cause they do a lot of like heroic kind of, you know, the, the stories are coming from are like a heroic saga. So they're doing Kukulin has the big attack, the guy Bolga. And that is a, it's a gnarled, twisted barbed spear. Like, so imagine like kind of a spear that's kind of been built by like some like metalsmiths where it's got barbs and stuff and tines coming off the blade. He throws it with his foot and whoever it hits, it immediately kills. Yeah, throws it with his foot. He learned that from the warrior, from from his warrior maiden teacher. He had to go to an island and be taught by a woman to learn the secret of the gay bolga to throw it with. You, 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 the is, you, 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 is
1: this well, is a book series, or this no, it's legend. This is actual Irish This
0: is actual Wow. Oh, yeah, man. it's it's from the, uh, the 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 tame. You might see it looks like cutchulan. But it's actually Kukulkan if you okay. if you pronounce it the way they print the, the with the proper the Gaelic pronounce. stuff. I'm still probably massacring the way you pronounce it. Yeah, that's there hard. Was, that's there was, hard language.
2: There was a rule in one of the source books on how to perform that stunt. And it was hilarious. It, it was it, you had to really dump an amazing amount of proficiency in it to do it. But if you could, it wasn't instant death, but it was like whatever level you were was the times damage you would do on the impact of the spear. It was preposterous. Jesus yeah, you know,
0: the way the strike is described is when the gay bolga hits them, it immediately shoots thorns throughout them, which it then rips back into itself and tears them apart from the inside out. Yeah. So here's yeah. so here's the, here's the interesting it. thing. So I've sat down and tried to build this in 5e. You can sort of do it. It would help if the spear had reach, because that actually is one of the things that bugs me about kind of the 5e equipment rules. Any spear should have reach, and your pike should have double reach. That's the way I see it. They don't agree with me. (laughs) So the way I see it doesn't matter. But, like, because you really would want to be playing from a little more distance. You'd want to shield punching a little more, and you'd want the spear throws to do cool things even before you got, like, the to like kind of this epic level kind of thing, but really sharpshooter. I think that's the one is it sharpshooter that lets you take the negative five plus, 10, -5 or is it plus a... 10. Yeah. 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 That kind of lets you do it. Cause that you do, but insane. but sharpshooter doesn't work with the spear. So you would need sharpshooter to work with the spear and you need to put these things together. So you would, you still need to homebrew some kind of connective tissue to really enable the kind of combat you're talking about there. So that's a couple. You know, like, I tend to be inspired more by that, more like kind of character concepts, and I start trying to break down, okay, so what do I need to do to make this dude? And then how do I put it together so it really works? And then I realize I'm not quite happy with what I can do in the system, so then I put it away.
1: And then we realize, too, with all of these characters as well, is that they start, they just start to change. Like, what Zhang does now is kind a little different than where he kind of the original trajectory, but, you know, it's that it, the 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 encounters and the experiences begin to make you go well i mean i love my idea but that's just gonna get me killed you know <laughs> like you know yeah.
0: it's funny you say that because when you were saying that i was thinking about my characters i was thinking about so i've got what i've got my last three characters are Zhang, the bugbear battle master mm-hmm. uh phineas mccool uh mm-hmm. who is the uh he's he's the warlock he's the he's the shapeshifter warlock then there was yeah. hannibal Hannibal the druid the the moon druid cannibal. And then before that was uh North Spilslinger who was the wild mage. Oh that it, was that it, was right before that was New York. Well not right. It was a couple <laughs> it was a couple years ago now. It was probably two years ago we ended that campaign. That's awesome. But as I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? None of those characters actually ever changed. Changed at all. <laughs> just... I come in with a I kinda come in with a tight concept of, hey, here's who this dude is and I do everything else off of who this guy is. Yeah. So Zhang changed in that he wanted to be a samurai, and then as he got to third level, he decided to be a battle master instead. But that all kind of made sense with the core character concept. He had a choice. Do you want to go more Musashi or more Sun Tzu? You know, that was kind well, of Yeah, because
1: it's still very samurai. It's still very warrior like, right? And he was,
0: in, in, in his deal was always that he was the kind of converted, lifted up bugbear who looked who was a student of war. Because really his place in the civilized world is as a student of war. Yeah. So it was just which way do you wanna go? Are you gonna go more the the you know kind of the, the samurai path or more the battle or the battle master path? Are you looking more at perfecting your sort your own dueling, or are you looking at perfecting tactics and, and, and yeah. battle strategy? Yeah. So that was just a choice that he got to make. Uh Nort- stayed chaotic a chaotic wild mage to the end to the point where he told the goddess of magic to piss off because he didn't want to be her lackey uh and he wanted to go and study the magic himself because he really wanted to free it and she wanted to keep it in a bottle so he's one from beginning to the end of that campaign wanting to free the magic and see it and just see it see it see it do its thing like the little magic pyromaniac he was hannibal was still hannibal i mean still eating people Still yeah, eating yeah. Well, he's angry at the world because the world killed his tribe and he turns into he, he survived by being a moon druid and turning into animals. And now he just basically sees people as, you know, prey animal in the woods. And that's kind of who he is. And I don't know <laughs> that could evolve, but I can't see how. <laughs> I most of my, Phineas is the one who could most evolve that way, because Phineas is the one who's most kind of in a precarious position of serving someone else in a way that could make him uncomfortable. Phineas is the shape changer warlock who was originally an ugly layabout, drunken human who met his fae pact, who who met the fairy Lord and begged him to lift him up and bring him to the, to the grand balls. And he's actually stumbled into a balls, how he got there and the fairy Lord turned him into a shape shifter warlock. I well, mean, he's the one who could change, but he's the shape shifter. Of
1: course it's, it's, it's literally. Yeah. It's l- literally <laughs> and figuratively.
2: Well, in in that respect, not necessarily your backstory, but at least your foundation character goals is what I think really defines your character in the sense that not really your story, but how you use that to guide your decisions through the campaign. Yeah. So if yeah. you yeah. that that'll, that'll really will help you weave the, the stories that's going along. So if you're looking back and going, well how how would I really or how would this character really uh, Handle this, and if it comes really organically, that's the best case scenario.
0: Yeah, like I don't feel like I feel like they're all pretty good backstories, even if they don't give you a ton of hooks. I mean, I think I guess I guess uh, all three of those guys are kind of divorced from their path for different reasons. You know, Hannibal because his well his tribe was destroyed. Phineas because he was he wasted his life as a human and was reborn as a as as a warlock, and uh, Yo know, Zhang because well again his tribe was destroyed. <laughs> his tribe was destroyed, but he was raised up by the people who destroyed it. And he decided, Hey, no, they were right in the first place. So I'm going to get myself some civilization. I feel like they're fairly strong backstories, but I guess there's not a lot the DM can do with them. No, I don't, th- I don't think so because I have been, I played with, uh, for the two
1: that I can play with, uh, I can't do much about Zhang other than he did, try he did not a, he
0: actually did do quite a bit with Hannibal's
1: try not to get in his way. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like I, like I've said in, in previous episodes, um, I just throw things out there. I get some ideas and I say, let's see how they want to play with them. And if somebody bites, then I go, Okay, let's let's see where else this goes. And if they don't, no big deal. Like and Phineas has definitely had some uh additional things being, you know, uh proffered. A
0: little bit. A little yeah. bit. Back so. under the rug with you. Yeah. <laughs> no secrets, back under the rug with those secrets.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. We're we're fine. We're fine with those secrets where they are. Tony,
1: what do you think in terms of, like, with Zhang and stuff?
0: Well, it's not that
2: his backstory didn't give me a lot to work with. For different reasons, I hit a point where I kind of got a little gun-shy in my game. I'm like, I've got a lot of open shit right now, to be perfectly honest. And if I have concerns about um, how... Well, how well understood and comfortable areas with the main plot and maybe like the couple other two storylines like they understand what's happening with the breakdown of the ordaining with the, with the Giants. Uh, everybody understands that we're trying to find a way to save Roderick from his terrible curse. Of course, we haven't discovered w- what the nature of that is yet, but it's going to take his life inevitably. They're doing things to, to give him to put some more minutes on the clock but the clock is still ticking. Um, Zhang's home story is in jeopardy, but it's open. Um, While at least I had originally conceptualized that the Barbarian's backstory was going to be a mystery up until still, I wasn't even going to reveal that yet. Like that was something I was going to tease. And then, you know, then Roderick gets a hold of a genie's bottle. But that was all I'm (laughs) saying, and that's
0: so I mean, I feel like like the threat to Zhang was like just it's like, all right, just deal with the story. If you just go through the main storyline, that'll probably be fine. You know, if you stop the giants from attacking your hometown by heading off this giant problem. Oh, it will be a giant problem indeed. Well, it's a little tough too when you have it
1: where the the hook for Zhang is like across the globe, right? Yeah. Where yes. the hooks for a lot of the other characters are inside them, right? Like they don't they're wherever they are is where the hook is in a way. But you're the man out you're the outlander, right? You're mm. you're far from your home. So anyone who is that, it's it that's a lot tougher because well, yeah, your home's all the way over there. So you'd have to get the party to be like,
0: well, we uh, you to go help. We're not, bar- yeah, yeah. The, we're not going back that way. Not for, well, we have the airship. We could with the airship. Yeah, if we pass by, you know. I also <laughs> yes. should mention like it's funny because my characters aren't generally based on an individual and an individual fictional character. They are often, however, named after them. Zhang is Zhang Fei from the from from the Romance of the Three Kingdoms and he is mm. you know but it's more like he is a god of war type of character than he is actually Zhang Fei he's just that you know that was kind of like there's some inspiration there Hannibal is the can is basically he's he's the cannibal but he's also really you know he he theoretically could one day be an elephant marching across the Alps so it kind of both Hannibal seem to fit <laughs> uh hilarious yeah, North Skillslinger was uh, I mean that wasn't take that wasn't take him anywhere other than a little bit Mrs. Spitlick, just in that it's kind of a combination of just weird letters because he was a of character. And then there's um Phineas. So Phineas, I mean Phineas, Phineas McCool, there's a Finn McCool in Irish an Irish uh legend. It's spelled yeah. the same It's, yeah. Kuma, it's spelled like, Kuma, but you say it cool. Um but he's not based on that character in any way other than he was out in the woods when he you know found finds yeah. the salmon of knowledge. Phineas McCool finds the 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 Fey Wild, the 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 Fey Lord's ball, and stumbles into it. That's the only thing that that's the only way that they're really parallel. Well,
1: that definitely fits with the uh, the like Celtic mythology and and the she and things like yeah. that. It's very much that kind of feel, you know, where you're in the woods, and if you walk in the wrong spot in the woods, all of a sudden you're in the fairy courts with the Sealy and stuff. So yeah, that was very it's very in um uh, in alignment with that mythology. So.
0: It's Because it's funny, because I name them, I wind up taking the names directly, directly, shamelessly from other properties, but the actual character doesn't match them. So no, it's like, nothing does like that it. count? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I named him yeah, Lane, the, and he's an artificer, but is he really Batman?
1: <laughs> right, it's the complete opposite of mine, where I'm like, I really am inspired by certain character types and stuff, but then I'll create my own thing out of it, you know?
0: Sorry, right, guys, we've been going on about this for a little while. How about we wrap up with some last thoughts? What are your, uh, what's your, what's your final word on characters from from pop culture, you know, and, and what DM should think about when they have a player who wants to play one in their game. I think we pretty, uh, well, I'll at least speak for myself
2: on this. It's all right to throw the knockout char- knockoff character out there. As long as the player and you are both references on the table and it's super clear. Okay. You want a character based on Thor. That's fantastic. You know, this is within the rules. Maybe you want to be a barbarian. You want to use a great, uh, hammer, fantastic. You want to acquire some lightning abilities when they come up, like, you know, a magical item that does that. Wonderful. Are you ever going to be able to lift a snake that wraps around the world? (laughs) I'm going to say most likely not, but I'm
0: not not going to close the door on that. Let's just put a pin (laughs) in that. Let's see how the epic level play develops.
2: (laughs) I think, but uh, back to the earlier points that were made, I think that is a great opportunity to certainly engage your player. Uh, Dave nailed that. Um, You should not squash that. And um, you want to make Thor? Go ahead. We we, you could have a contest. Who can make the best Thor out of the existing rules without bending the system? And if you're going to start offering somebody, like if I wanted to make a character like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, well, you know, he's uh, he's a super soldier, so to speak. Not quite like Captain America, but he's magically infused. Well. He'd have things beyond a normal fighter you would think would start out with. So how are you going to get there? Um, and you could do that, but you have to offer that same type of magical, mako-packed goodness to all the players.
1: Yeah, all of that is exactly, uh, exactly correct, Tony. I mean, everything was that. But uh, the only thing I'll add is a little more of kind of an overview thing of it, where. Books, movies, TV shows, whatever mythology. What we enjoy about it is the development of that character from the low, en- the low end all the way to the high. You know, nobody wants to read the story about Thor at the end. They want to read, you know, like Norse mythology. They want to read how Mjolnir came. And how did Odin get slept near? And Ol- that's what you want to find out. You want to know how did Aang master all four elements, right? You want to know how Luke trained and finally became a Jedi master and then, you know, recreated the order. It's the it's that method. So the same thing with characters. Play the story, play how it develops to become that legendary character, even if they're a complete knockoff. Um, but yeah, let them do it because I do it all the time.
0: You know, so I think when you have a character, when you have a player come in and they want to do this kind of character that is based on a well-known pop culture, you know, property, I do think you have a decision to make, which is are you going to theme your whole campaign around it or are you going to just let their character be themed around it? And there are two ways to go there. Most of what we've talked about is, you know, they can come in with a character, you can let them build the character, you're not really leaning into it too much with the campaign you can choose to. I mean we talked about that too that you can choose to have a session zero sit down with the guys like hey Bob wants to come in as Thor. What do you guys think of about all coming in as, you know, mythological beings and we'll set this thing in Theros and we'll we'll build a story that can empower you to kind of play these mythological kind of characters? Or Bob wants to come in as badass Thor. What do you guys think about starting out at level 20 and we'll play a campaign with, you know, you guys playing mock superheroes built the best we can in the 5E system. You have that choice. And when someone comes to you with that, take a minute to think about how do you want to how do you want to play it out? Most of the time, I don't think you have a great reason to say no to them playing a character like this, unless it totally violates what you want to do with the campaign, what the other players want to do with the campaign. Even then, while we've talked about it, I would I would tend to try to let them do their thing. Uh, you might have a good enough reason not to. It really is very campaign specific at that point. And, and if not, well, hey, we're talking to something else. You might kill a little bit. You might kill a little bit of their enthusiasm. Just be aware of that. But I think, by and large, anything that gets players more excited about coming to the game and playing their characters, I think, a good thing. I think that's the final word here, you know. Don't, Mm -hmm. you know, do the best you can to embrace your players' creativity and investment in the things that excite them about your D&D game. And hopefully that'll help you have the best game you can have. Absolutely. Perfectly said. I gotta say, this this is a fun one to talk about, walking down memory lane. We didn't even talk about how Thor, my first character with Tony, you actually secretly made him Goku. We didn't even touch on this. So you secretly made him a saiyan that kept getting stronger every time he got his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. You actually boosted his, you actually boosted his, uh, his, his strength as he went up in level. You don't remember that? Uh, Yes. No, that, uh,
2: okay. No, that wasn't <laughs> because he was getting beaten, but it was because he was an alien. Yes. Your backstory was that you were a loner and you had people around you kept dying and you took up a venture and, you kept your distance from people for a lot of years. Well, you were slightly radioactive, and you were an alien. <laughs> and that was
0: why. It was Goku without the monkey parts.
2: Oh, oh, yes, course. by the time he got to the end of the campaign, he was one strong guy. For
0: he sure. was. It's stories to tell another day so thank you all for listening in to another episode of the three wise dms podcast we appreciate all your support if you liked it please smash that five star rating button and let your podcast platform know this is a great show other people should find look us up on facebook and twitter we're there all the time we're very active we're going to be getting more active on instagram soon as well you can email us at three dms at gmail.com just like james did and that's actually how we got this episode so Thanks, if james. you listen- Thank you very much, James. This is a fun one to talk about. We appreciate okay. the input. And if you're listening and you'd like to throw a question out to us, you know that's a great way to do it. Email 3 DMS at gmail.com or enter it in the what's your problem field on our website. That is, that is not just telling you off. It is actually asking you what is your problem. Hey, with. what's your problem? So hopefully you'll connect with us on those channels. We publish more content on threewisedm's.com every Wednesday. We get you get a you get an article, and every Sunday you get podcast, of course. So you'll find at least twice as much content on there as you will in the podcast platform. So check it out. That's all for this week. We'll see you next time, on Three Wise DMs.